This is Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, which is part of the Replicate Podcast Network. It is a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. Here is your host, Chris Swain. Today on the podcast, we are picking up really where we left off not really where we left off last week. Last week, we, we talked about the priesthood and how to steal the priesthood. And we ended up with the tearing of the veil, which was, you know, an appropriate cliffhanger. Uh, people may not have known that was a cliffhanger, but in fact, it was as we are continuing to discuss how, how to steal the priesthood. But one of the things that was so incredible to me is I had never heard any of this stuff mm-hmm. until, I read, uh, until I read your book. And one of the things that was so interesting to me is, is it is, has opened up a whole new view of how I look at the church, um, how you look at the New Testament, how you look at how Jesus interacted with the church. I mean, it's just extremely eye-opening. And so I think it's a, it's a relevant, extremely relevant topic. And I think it's one that it helps us, again, understand the context of the Old Testament, yes. which incredibly opens up insight and fresh perspective of the New Testament. And uh, all of that is key in growing our faith, I believe. So let's recap. How have we gotten here where we have missed this? Because most of the people listening have probably said, I don't know much about Hellenism. Alexander the Great was a name I learned and forgot, forgotten in high school. Uh, did not know there was no ark in the temple after the Babylonian captivity in the uh, 4th century BC. Never heard that before. Uh, didn't know anything about Antiochus Epiphanes coming and offering pigs and sacrifices in the temple. Uh, didn't know any of that. And uh, don't know much about the priesthood today. So here's the question, Chris, and I want those <laughs> listening to help us <laughs> just to name a few. I want you to think about this. Why have we gotten here, or even how have we gotten here, to where these fundamental cultural, contextual uh, circumstances that were leading up to the coming of Jesus. How have we missed it, Chris? Here's the first question of the day. Ooh. How have we missed it? I think we've missed it. I think we've missed it because our focus has not been on learning about those things. Our focus has solely been on how we grow the church. Mm. Um, and and I and I'm not and I'm saying that to myself. I, for many years in ministry, my focus was how do I get more people in the door, and anything that didn't tie into that from the, the passages I was reading or the sermons that I was sharing or the invitation I was trying to make to people was secondary information. And I even think there's a movement today that would argue these Old Testament things are interesting and they're great history, but let's not dwell there. Yeah, um, I think there's a movement for that today, and that's sad because it does, I think, diminish our full understanding of who God is, and then, and then, and how we grow with Him. Well, and most of us um, have this me-centered approach to spirituality, right? Mm. What can God mm-hmm. do for me? And so, what we do is we spend all our time in the New Testament searching out passages that have to do with right. me and my personal salvation. When, <laughs> in fact, here's a little footnote here. Uh, Salvation for the the Hebrew nation was never individual and personal. It was always corporate and for the group, always. Yes. It was corporate and communal, never personal and individual. So 
I think another thing too, as Chris, and we said this before, it was the Reformation, which has done a lot of good, and we're grateful mm-hmm. for the Reformation. But in right. a sense, the Reformation has created New Testament Christians who are ignorant of the Old Testament, and particularly what we're talking about here, the 400 years leading up to the coming of Christ. So let's dive into it, Chris. Are you ready? I'm already in the deep end. The good thing is I have those little floaties on my arms. So okay, good. The kid, I'm ready to roll. Are you in the pool or you're in the deep end? No, I'm in the deep end, but I've got the floaties. I won't okay, lie. Good. Okay, good. <laughs> think others as well just in case okay just let's pick up case. yeah let's pick up quickly alexander the great sets up this hellenistic approach which is very different than the romans if you missed that you need to go back uh one or two episodes and catch that very similar to hollywood today chris we talked mm-hmm. about uh he implemented right. a system of education information education uh athletics entertainment and, and entertainment thank you um and so he took over the world not through brute force or power he did it through Uh, coercion and manipulation and choices. Uh, Then the people started to be tempted. Do I follow the one true God or do I give in to this uh, licentiousness, this sexual immorality, this exploitation of things and goods, or uh, do I follow God? And so you have this scenario being created. December 6, 19, or 19, 167. December 6, 167 BC is the turning point for the nation. Do you know, Chris, here we go. Do you know, without a quick Google search, what happened on that day? 167 BC. Well, before that, I've got a question for you. Okay. Since I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have a correct answer. Okay. So good. I may as well bide my time. Might as well. But okay. In 167 BC, they weren't calling that year 167 BC. Were they? Like they did they didn't uh, have a 167 uh, year countdown. Uh, I don't think so, no. They, they what did they call it? That's a good question. Now you're stumping me with a question. I don't know that question. Since I'm going to have a wrong answer, I figure I'd try to get you to have it. I think they uh, dated it some kind of way, and I don't, um, I don't know how they did. I, think, I don't think the dating system, this is off the top of my head, was as formulized or uh, organized right. as it is after I think it was, the Roman calendar, yeah. which was happening later. Uh, yeah, I but think I think it was based on whoever was ruling, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that's how they determine it, based on who was in authority and power, which is why the New Testament always starts with books like when the year of Quirinius was in power, mm-hmm. in the days mm-hmm. of the decree of Caesar Augustus, the whole empire was registered. So those are the things that happened. Okay, 167, so, December 6th. I, bite it. I was biding my time. December 6th, 167. Antiochus no, Epiphanes. No, no idea. I have no idea. Antiochus, Antiochus Epiphanes who gave himself the nickname God Manifest. Very humble individual, as of you have mentioned before. <laughs> yes. He, uh, he went in and sacrificed pigs on the altar of God. He uh, set up a, a temple, uh, in the temple, a statue of Zeus, which God said, don't make any carved images or offer any idols, so you have total blasphemy. And then, if that wasn't enough, he forced the Jews to eat pig. This started what is called the Maccabean Revolt. Now, a lot of Christians, New Testament Christians, unfortunately, don't know much about the Maccabean Revolt other than the holiday associated with it, which mm. is called Hanukkah. You heard of this? Oh, okay. Now it's beginning to make sense. I almost said sense. something about Hanukkah earlier because of December 6th, but I had no idea. Judas Maccabeus, his Maccabean, his father, Metaphias, 
decide to come and uh, they've had enough. They're sick and tired of this uh, oppression by the, by the Greeks and the Romans. And so uh, they decide to defy the odds. This small band of a family and then Jewish people are outnumbered and yet they're going to fight back. One guy takes out a Machaira, a sword cuts the neck of a soldier and the revolution is on and miraculously against all odds with the help of God, they take back the temple. They take wow. back the temple, and you have to understand, they have to have a working temple for Jesus to come into the world. Now, the problem is to have a working temple, you have to have lamps lit the entire time. The menorah mm. lamp has to be lit the entire time, and it's a symbol of the continual presence of God. Now, the problem is you can't just put any old essential oils in the lamp. You can't do <laughs> you it. You can't put peppermint in there and just... Peppermint won't do it. Patchouli oil won't do it. Uh, Beads. is not, <laughs> not going to do it. So they actually are in a conundrum. Here's the problem, Chris. They have one oil of lamp uh, oil that will last them one day in a normal scenario. And they have to see God do something in order for them to have a working temple. You have to hang on after the break, though, to see what God does for the nation. Do you have a vision for the groups in your church but don't know how to make it happen? Replicate's Group Ministry Masterclass is a one-stop course to help you create, launch, and sustain your group's ministry. These training videos, implementation exercises, and resources will guide you to create your own group's playbook that is unique to your context. You can access this masterclass today at replicate.org slash groups. And we're back talking about the Maccabean revolt. Is that what it was? Revolt? Yeah. Is that, is that, I, I was saying earlier, is it Maccabean or is it Maccabean revolt? <laughs> Maccabean. It's Maccabean. I, I know. Those Maccabean. are from Scandinavian. No, I think that's Maccabean. a different group of people. <laughs> but here, clarify this for me. They were fighting so that they couldn't eat bacon? That's what it sounded like to yeah, me. Yeah, that, that would not be something you would be a part of. That does not make sense. That's not a revolt I can join. I'm sorry. Defying God, I'm in. You know, uh, Zeus statue in the temple, I'm in. Uh, yeah. Kosher diet without bacon, out. Yeah, but I do love kosher salt and kosher dill pickles. That is about as close as shit. That's I mean, not I just want to, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to do as much as I can. Oh, man. Okay, moving on. So uh, they have a conundrum, Chris. They do not have enough what? They do not have enough oil for the candle. Yes, and the oil has to be anointed by the priest, and the mm -hmm. process takes a week. There's this process they have to go through. You can't shortchange the process. They can't do an end around on God. They have to wait a week for the oil to be ready, purified for the temple. So they, they basically say, we're going to trust God. We're going to take this one thing of oil, that's supposed, this vat of oil that's supposed to last one day, and God yeah. miraculously extends it. The fire's lit for a week. Wow. And that is the festival of Hanukkah, which is why, now it makes sense, which is why they light candles. And it was a, a, a demonstration of the power of God, but more importantly, yeah. it was God giving the temple back to the people. Mm. Now, this sets the stage for the coming of Jesus. The problem was something else was happening in around the 170 AD period, okay? 
the priesthood actually was moving, and here's the big thing, stick with this. The priesthood moved from being genealogically given down through the Mm -hmm. family, through descendants, through your sons, and it was actually starting to be purchased with money. The people were going to the Roman authorities and they were making backroom deals and they were saying, listen, I know Aaron years ago was the first high priest and God said he has to hand it down to his descendants, his sons, and up to the year, you ready for this? It's going to blow you away. Up to the years when they passed it down 170-ish AD, 160-something AD, 68 or 70, the priesthood moves from being descended down through genealogy to being purchased. Pop quiz. Who was the first priest who bought the priesthood? I don't know the answer, but I do know it starts with a J. Yes, that is true. The second letter is an A. My memory's hanging on to just the word that starts with a J. That's all I got for you. That's that's a 10%. Jason, good Jewish name. Man, I was so close. It's not a good, I don't even know. I I had to triple check that. Jason, really? Jason, write this down if you're taking notes. Don't if you're driving. Jason was the 44th high priest in the lineage of high priest all the way back to Aaron. Now, follow me here. I'm going to give you some numbers. In 1,388 years, let's just call it 1,400 years, guess how many high priests there were in the priesthood? 1,400 years. I'm going to say 140. I just gave you the clue earlier. 43. Oh, man. I was going to say in the 40s. It just sounded like a long time. Now, listen. Think about this. That's a long time. 1,400 years, 44 priests, okay? Jason comes on the scene. He's making backroom deals with uh, the leaders of the Roman Empire and the Greek Empire. And so he starts to purchase it. And in 240 years, okay, 240 years, guess how many priests there are to the destruction of the temple in 70 AD? Guess how many priests? Is this where 140 something? No, 38. 38? Now listen, listen so almost the same amount. Yes. One tenth of the time almost. Listen to this. This is mind blowing. And now you see why the temple was destroyed ultimately. Now you see why Jesus is so bent against the Sadducees and the corrupt priesthood. Here's why. Mm-hmm. In fourteen hundred years, you have roughly you have forty three priests. In yeah. two hundred and forty two years, you have thirty eight priests. The the priesthood was being changed every couple years, and then it leads down to this. You're going to appreciate this. The family that was ruling at the time of the coming of Jesus was a family by the name of Annas, who had mm-hmm. a son-in-law named Caiaphas. That's now, sounding familiar. Now it's sounding very familiar. familiar. Remember in Jesus, when they questioned him, they, he ripped, Annas ripped his shirt, and Caiaphas, this man's a blasphemer, and they brutally beat him and hit him. They, they persecuted him and sent him to the cross. Here's the question. That's the conundrum. You ready for this? Feel the weight of this. The very people who bought the position of authority of the priesthood do not have the right by God to sentence Jesus to the cross for blasphemy mm-hmm. because they themselves are living in perpetual blasphemy 
before God. Wow. Think about so that. They are, and they're operating out of an illegal purchased priesthood. Now, now let, me show you how, let me show you the hotbed of tension that was happening in the first century. In 100 years, and this is going to be shocking to some, in 100 years prior to the coming of Jesus, and in the 100 years after Jesus' birth, Guess how many people rose up and claimed to be the Messiah in the nation of Israel? I'm not even going to take a guess at that. No, you probably need to take a guess. No. Is it in the 40s? No, way less than that. Now you got your numbers. Oh. Right, so you see, yeah. I know, I'm stuck on 40 something for some reason. 10 to 12 people rose up, got a following of people, and they revolted against the Roman Empire to say, we believe this man is the Messiah. And I know what you're thinking. Ah, prove it to me. I'll give you two in the Bible. The Bible shows us. Thaddeus and mm. Judas the Galilean in Acts chapter 5. Remember, Gamaliel says, if this is of the Lord, you won't stop it. If it's not, it'll die out just like the other revolts that happened, mm -hmm. i.e. Judas the Galilean. The Bar Kokhba revolt, which happens years ago, and many others that happened. And, and the reason I tell you that is this. The people in Jesus' day were waiting for the Messiah to come. Now, here's the problem. They mm. were waiting for the wrong Messiah. They thought that when Jesus came, he was coming to destroy the, the empire. He was coming to decimate their enemies. He was coming to give Israel a place of prominence and once and for all bring peace to the world. Now, here's the thing we need to do, and we'll tee this up for next week. There is a group of people who are priests in this period that are sick and tired of the corruption. Chris, this is an easy one. And so they look at the system and say, there's so much corruption. Here's another footnote. This is mind blowing. There was so much corruption in the priesthood in the first century that they couldn't conduct the daily duties of the temple requirements of offerings and, and incense mm. and putting out the bread. They couldn't conduct the requirements because the priests that were supposed to be employed well, across the water in the Decapolis, watching the Olympic Games of men running naked. <laughs> yeah. They were a little distracted. Yes. So the men of God were not doing the things that God had instructed them to do. Sounds familiar to today at times. You're saying people might skip church and go watch a football game. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm not saying that, but maybe. I'm saying the men of God who are supposed to be leading the flock of God are distracted with the temptation right. and the idols and the distractions of the Hellenistic system infiltrating mm. the community. And they have a choice. So think of, the, think, think of you. Let me put you on a hill. You're on the side of a hill in Nazareth, Beth Sheon, let's say North Galilee, and uh, you're following the one true God. You're following the Bible. You're not distracted with world events or news or anything. Why? Because you're trying to foster a relationship with the God who created you. And mm. every Friday night when you're sitting home ready for Shabbat, when the sun goes down and the city's supposed to rest, when the nation is resting on Shabbat or Sabbath, mm -hmm. the Greek city is just coming alive. And the mm. streets are bustling with with sales of products. The massage parlors are filled to the brim with women massaging men and giving all these things that the, the, the Greek world enjoys. And then you have all this 
theater and production and move. And then you have the games and the chariot races. And here's the pull on you. Do I stay focused on God and the Bible? Hmm. Or do I give in to the temptations and the pleasures of the world? And here's the crazy thing. Nothing has changed today. Hmm. The only difference are the blanks that fill in the system of Hellenism that was given many years before. Well, that is strong. And that is certainly how you steal a priesthood. And to answer the question you asked earlier, you thought I missed it. Uh, talking about a group of people. I actually knew the answer, the Essenes, Ooh, which the Essenes. we will talk about yes. next week. The Essenes. We will talk Essenes. about next week. I if you're from Arkansas. <laughs> the Essenes. Well, I'm, I say Essenes because it I read be it before I was taught. It could be Essenes. The, 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 here's a lesson you got to learn. If someone doesn't know how to pronounce something, it means that they read it. They didn't have it taught to them by somebody else. Or you're a preacher. And you know what they taught us in seminary? If you don't know how to pronounce a Hebrew word, say it with authority. People will believe you. Add a few, add a few syllables. That's what I would, that's what I always think is a win. <laughs> but uh, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there and we appreciate you Thank choosing you. ours. Check out the show notes on replicate.org. If you get a chance next week, we're going to continue this discussion. We'll be talking about the Essenes. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast. You can receive more free resources to help you make disciples in your home, group, or church by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting our website at replicate.org.